Nintendo Stuff. Welcome to Nintendo Stuff, episode 77. My name is Brandon Miracle. I'm your host tonight with my friends, Paul Anderson, Yo. Logan Welliver, and our hey. special guest and friend of the show, David R RDW. Hello. How are you, man? It's been a while. Yeah, you're telling me. I mean, part of that's our fault for literally not doing the show for three months in a row. Um, I know, that's all good. I we, understand. We're back totally. on the horse. For sure. I thought it was longer, to be honest. <laughs> no, it was only three months. We're actually a lot better than we give ourselves credit for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, in a relatively, like, quiet time for Nintendo, uh, there's actually a lot of stuff that happened this week. Um, and I actually want to start with the thing that is the most recent, being the Super Nintendo World Direct that happened just over two hours ago. Um, first of all, it's kind of weird to get a Nintendo Direct for a theme park, but also... It's appropriate. ...is really awesome. <laughs> uh, that, that presentation ended up being a lot more, like, delightful and, like, lighthearted than I was expecting. Yeah, why, hosted but. hosted by Mario's dad, the yeah. one and only. We haven't seen I Miyamoto on screen in a while, right? It seemed like it's been a minute. No, it it's been a long time. Uh... But it was really cool to get, like, a first-hand view of Super Nintendo World uh, through the eyes of the creator of Mario himself. Um, oh, sorry. Santi posted a buffering symbol. I'm like, are we okay? <laughs> um, yeah, like, this this whole concept is really blowing me away. We knew about, like, the whole armband thing, and you could interact with the different areas of Super Nintendo World. Hearing see, about it and, like seeing it in action are two very different things. Yeah, it it seems so seamless too. Like I was expecting a little bit more work to go into like the user side, but you literally just put your hand up against the thing that you're interacting with, and it just does it. Yeah, and that's so cool. So it's like a level of magic that I think not even Disney World has in certain aspects, right? I mean, like, the, the the one layer of magic that I can think of when I think of the Magic Kingdom is, like, all the hidden Mickeys. Yeah. And this is taking that concept to a different level. A, a video game level, actually, because mm -hmm. now you're in one. And it, like, um, integrates that, like, play with interactivity. Yeah. Like, it feels there, like you could spend, a, like, several days there running around and still not discover everything you can interact with. I, I saw on the the like the companion app that there was like a stamp collection and I think we ended up seeing one of them when Miyamoto was in the underground area. Oh the pixel and Bowser. He found the Yeah, he found Bowser. So I'm I'm assuming there's gonna be a ton of those little things and then stuff that's more like uh what we saw when he was collecting the, the key coins. And there was that one where he had to play a mini game and time a Koopa shell to a POW block to actually collect the coin. And I that was blowing my mind, the fact that that level of interactivity is possible here. I also love that they're just called activities. Yeah. I, I loved uh, hearing it uh, in Miyamoto's Japanese-English activity. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I'm really excited to see like how all this all comes together, uh, when it officially opens. Yeah. The um, thing is there's like, what there's standout moments for you. Oh, I was saying like the, the fact that there's still so much that we haven't seen yet because basically like, as if this is a video yeah. game release, there's spoilers <laughs> to be had because they can't even show everything yet. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insane. Like I didn't really, um, care too much about seeing stuff for super nintendo world initially um because i was like oh i can't even go so why do i care but then as soon as i decided to watch the direct and i watched that i was you like a trip to japan yeah i was like bro i gotta go i gotta get over there <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it opens on february 4th uh and i don't imagine that's gonna be a really great launch day for most people uh, I don't expect that if I go myself that it won't be until late summer, maybe early fall. Um, but, you know, this is going to be the only way to experience Super Nintendo World for several years, I think, uh, if you're a U.S. resident. Because the 
the Florida and the Hollywood locations aren't opening for a while. Dude, those aren't going to be so, over yeah, here I mean, until if... I'm like 30. Like, I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> it's it's I mean, kind of I... sad, too. Oh, go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, like, as much stuff that they've packed in there, I, I understand why it's going to take them a little bit longer to get here. Because replicating that's got to take some time. For sure. And the version we're getting, I think, uh, specifically in Florida, is actually going to be bigger than the one in Tokyo. So, like, our Super Nintendo World in Florida is going to have an entire Donkey Kong land that's adjacent to the Mario land. That's with... bananas! <laughs> yeah. And it's going to have a minecart ride and probably some shops and stuff uh, with other, like, micro experiences that are going to be in Super Nintendo World, such as Canopio's Cafe, which I am very excited to visit, even I if gonna... I can't eat half the stuff. That was actually my standout, <laughs> like, thing is that cafe, because all the little creations they had looked delicious. Yeah. It's really adorable. That Mario burger. I'm really excited to eat that Mario burger. The bacon is the mustache. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm so actually loud. seeing Mario's face in that burger. What's really crazy to me yeah, with this... the, uh, the Toe Cafe is, what really stood out to me is that there's the, uh, like, the digital, like, uh, like, the, the, the chefs, the Toad chefs in the back. Oh, yeah. Making the food. But then Toad's talking to you. And that's the first time Toad has said full-on sentences with a voice since, like, Sunshine. So I'm like... Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I'm like, bro, are they going to put this type of budget into, like, the next major game? Because I could see it. Or, like, the Mario movie or something? Because, yeah. I, that's kind of where my mind went. Mm -hmm. It's like, this might be indicative of what we're going to see with the Super Mario Brothers movie uh, in a couple years. And if that's what we're getting in terms of, like, visuals and presentation, I am super on board. I was, like, super, super obsessed with uh, in the actual cafe and the uh, the window to the kitchen yeah. in particular. Yeah. Just all of the different toads running around doing their things. The conveyor belts. It was so cute. Uh, I, wonder, I wonder if that's going to be on loop. Or if, like, the orders that are made when you go up to the counter and you choose oh, your food, the, the uh, if that's going to be, like, uh, if that's going to affect, uh, like, the visuals on the screen. That'd be really cool. You know, there's so much stuff going on here. I wouldn't put it past them to take that step and make it that interactive. I, Man, there's even, like, some potential maybe later down the line where the customer could you know maybe get involved in the kitchen side of the experience and you know hang out with all the virtual toads as they're making their specific dish uh there's so much potential here that dining room was um, a lot bigger than i thought it would have been too like that was like a full-on like restaurant a, yeah it looks so tiny from the outside because it's just a toad house but obviously like it goes deeper mm -hmm. into the actual infrastructure of the world um man i I, I was just blown away by this presentation. The underground section where you get hit by a bomb that explodes and then, and you, then shrink, you shrink, but yeah. it's actually just the world getting bigger. That's so Oh my cool. god, it blew my mind. Yeah. I love how Miyamoto walked into the distance and he's like, I'm small Miyamoto now. <laughs> yeah, I'm really wondering how Mini stuff Miyamoto. like that's going to work when the park opens because it's like it's made to be it almost it makes me just think of a really big interactive like play place um but that in my mind that goes to okay there's gonna be lots of kids running around uh climbing on like this this whole area uh seems like it's built to just be played with and climbed on um yeah. so i'm wondering if like on the underground is it gonna be like certain people go in waves or is it gonna just be like a a thing you can just happen to walk through by accident and you're just underground or um, one person stuff like every that. six foot. <laughs> I I was wondering Sorry, about the logistics of that too, especially yeah. in the underground area, because like the passage is very narrow. Uh, there's not a lot of walking space in there, so I wouldn't be surprised, especially in the first few weeks, where I imagine uh, it'll be very busy. That uh, if they limit it to a certain amount of people at a time that can walk through specific areas. Um, especially with uh, the pandemic going on. Um, How many meters is six feet? <laughs> I need to know this. 
How many question blocks is six feet? <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's where my mind is still at because I don't anticipate this all will be over by February. And oh, sure, yeah, yeah. No. well, like Japan might be in a better position than the U.S. Every country is in a better position than the U.S. Mm-hmm. They're going to have more uh, access to the vaccine, especially. Yeah, so I mean that's that's really the big thing is like okay, what's the how many how much of the population has the vaccine at that point? And I just don't think it's going to be that many. So I feel like I I understand why businesses go forward and do these things anyway cuz it's all about that green. Uh but man, I no. I I anticipate this will be a soft launch. There'll probably be a couple weeks where there's media days where they have like it'll probably be you know, like appointment small... only for a while. Absolutely, yeah. is what I think is going to happen. Um, hopefully, there's some media days, and you know, they can invite some of the small guys. So my my <laughs> happen, so my thought process on that right is since this is this is like Nintendo's biggest thing in a while like they opened the nintendo store in japan and that was big but like this is a whole like people want to know about the theme park right so my guess is nintendo of america is talking to nintendo of japan and they're probably going to be like okay give us like let's say maybe 20 to 50 of your select creators and they get like a plus two or something and then we'll fly them over and they can check out the park for like a weekend and they'll and it, like because they want that press because if literally like all like American creators have to do is just like go off of like Japanese press or like content creators over there, like I feel like they I feel like Nintendo is gonna arrange something for like those big Nintendo tubers. So I'm, I, I'm like, I, at the very least I think yeah. at the very least I think they're going to invite their current list of Nintendo brand ambassadors. Yeah. Uh, and they might have like an ambassador day and have them like you know vlog their experience. It's gonna be like a whole uh, bunch then, of GoPros and cameras running around like that first that first 100%. day. Hundred yeah. percent. That said, like I was like wary of watching this presentation too because there's so much of this that I don't want to spoil for myself until I get to be there in person. Mm-hmm. But they're very careful about that, and I imagine that will also extend to like how they. Uh, present the areas of the park uh, through their influencers yeah. and their partners. Turn off cameras now, please. Yeah, there's definitely not going to be cameras allowed in the uh, in the Mario Kart ride, especially. Yeah, like, it won't even hit the same because you got to have that augmented reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they haven't even like shown us how that works, yeah. and I don't think they go- they're going to until you get to do it yourself. It's going to basically be like yeah, when the no 3DS way. came out. You're just going to have to take people's word for it until you experience it for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that... this is supposed to be like a, a an exclusive experience. They're not gonna like yeah. spoil that, you know, mm-hmm. for everybody who's like, oh, I want to go. Well, they're not gonna like feed that to you. They're gonna especially wait until with like you can such a high barrier to entry. They don't want to like. Well, they do want you to experience FOMO, but they also don't want to make you feel bad if you can't go. Yeah, <laughs> like look at all this fun we're having. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so there's a couple things that we didn't get to see, such as Mario Kart, and we've talked about that, uh, a little bit, uh, but there's also the Yoshi Adventure ride, where you ride on the back of a Yoshi, and it kind of takes you on a tour through the park from the outside, um, so that's more of a, a, like, a toddler kind of experience, but I'm still 150% riding on the back of a Yoshi. Six foot <laughs> through one. I was about to say, if that's a, a toddler experience, if that's a toddler experience, I'm a toddler. <laughs> Absolutely, toddler man. experience, goo goo gaga. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Gongaga>? <laughs> uh, how did you guys feel about the entryway? to Super Nintendo World where Miyamoto goes through the pipe and then he's in the the foyer that's when, of Princess Peach's castle. That's when the magic hit me and I was like, okay, yeah, warp pipe, okay. I already figured this from the videos, okay. But yeah. then I see, like, it's something about seeing that pad, that sun on the floor and seeing the painting on the wall and I was like, 
oh, this is real. Oh, this is happening. And then they did the thing where they looked at the painting and then Bowser Jr. faded into it. It was like a perspective thing. And I was like, it's oh, that's particular. dope. That's yeah. so cool. But then, like, Miyamoto pointed at both walls and they only looked at one. And I was like, I'm guessing, if I had to guess, it's Super Mario 64. There's probably like this, either like the Snowy Peak uh, painting or maybe like the Thwomp's the Thwomp's Fortress is on the other wall, but we'll see. I think it might be Princess Peach from the the first Bowser level in 64 oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, where it changes to Bowser's face mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of tie it into the lenticular theme. Cause I assume that's why they did that was a callback to that moment in the game. Um, but if there's that kind of stuff sprinkled all over the land, Ooh. Oh my God, you could visit several times. Like Paul said, and probably experience something new every time Literally. you go. And also yeah. you could tell why it took so long. Yeah. To like develop this is because yeah. it's like it's so meticulous, uh, and I think it's also appropriate with all the tech that's going into like some of the experiences with like the wristbands and the activities and whatnot. Uh, that like this is really like the time that this tech exists uh, for this kind of project to really really exist and come to life. It's so it's so on brand yeah. for Nintendo, right? Because we're like, oh, it's a Nintendo like people on the outside are like oh it's just a theme park attraction it's just an area in the park but then it's like nintendo also made rc cars and they're also augmented reality nintendo made legos and they're also like a whole extra thing nintendo made cardboard and it's like anything nintendo gets their hands on there's layers to it so it's there's so much here it's like an ogre exactly there's layers they gamify everything literally miyamoto even said like in the presentation specifically talking about Mario Kart, that that alone, Mario Kart alone took them six years to develop. Mm-hmm. So, like, every single piece of this of this theme park, you know, has had a lot of love and attention put into it. Like, you look at the level of detail of, like, that Bowser statue when you go up the stairs in Mario Kart. Like, that looks like it. a statue that you would see, like, in a courtyard of an actual park. So, like... They they have really that universal a lot uh, of trophy that they showed. This. They didn't show that in like the press releases before. That's brand new. I was like, oh, that's dope. Yeah, and then they have all uh, and they did show these before, but the, all the Mario Kart trophies yeah. of uh, from Mario Kart Eight. So that's super cool. Um, yeah, so like I I'm very excited to get to try this out and experience it my myself whenever. Whenever that becomes One day. possible, One day. I'll be patient because I have literally been dreaming of this since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I have always wanted this type of experience to exist specifically for Super Mario because uh, it's near and dear to me. Um, like I've always looked at the, the Magic Kingdom and Cinderella's castle and I'm like, I want that, but Peach's castle. <laughs> and here it and is. they did it. Yeah, they made it. It's coming. And then, um, um, like another thing, really quick. Oh, go ahead. On the uh, on the on the magic bands or whatever, um, Miyamoto said they act as amiibo. He didn't say how. So I'm like Miyamoto. That's true. What? Like you're gonna drop that nugget and let us wonder? Okay. Um, and then once it's gonna do an odyssey. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> um, also there's he said if you were to get all the collectibles in the park to a certain extent you end up going against Bowser Jr. for something. So there's like an end game, basically oh, yeah. there's like a campaign in the app. And then you'll end up having a boss battle and you're probably going to get some type of cool swag or something for doing all the activities or something. Bowser Jr. Yeah, you... is like definitely in the world somewhere. Yeah. And you will be guided to him at the end, which is going to be super cool. I mean, that just goes back to the fact that, like, how meticulously designed this is. They tried to emulate as much of Mario as they could from hitting blocks and collecting coins to getting, you know, different collectibles throughout the park uh, to eventually, you know, facing off against a boss, right? I am... I am very excited to eventually get the chance uh, to to go to. Oh, I hope there's real see fire this experience. <laughs> um, marshmallows on it. <laughs> so, uh, Super Nintendo World isn't the only big thing um, that happened this week. Uh, Sephiroth had his 
presentation, Mr. Sakurai Presents Sephiroth, uh, premiered earlier this week. And much to the delight of many Smashers around the world, Sephiroth was made available uh, that night, but in a very unique way uh, that only Sakurai could deliver on. Uh, he made Sephiroth into a boss fight that is limited time. The boss fight disappears on the 22nd. So, like, if you haven't done it by then, you will never get the chance to again. Um, but if you fight him and win, you unlock Sephiroth early, along with the stage and the music. So, he's available now if you try it out and do it. Okay. <laughs> and it's awesome. Yeah. But not the spirits. Not the no, spirits. the spirits are still not available. Neither are the Me Fighter outfits. I can kind of live with that. Yeah. I mean, they'll still be out on Tuesday, so, you know. Uh, I'll still but be buying a couple of those costumes. I'm definitely buying probably the whole set, but, like, specifically Barrett and Tifa because I, I wanted that so that bad. I you you wanted that, yeah. Yeah. I uh, will definitely be getting Aerith. That's just a... Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I'll get Aerith, too. Because best girl, right? Aerith and they gave girl. her the staff, which is awesome. Like, I, I would have expected her to have, like, a wand or something, yeah. um, but... That's that's super cool. Um, but, yeah, so, like, have, have all of you guys unlocked Sephiroth yet? Oh, yeah. Yep. So my uh, my roommate cares more about him than I do, so he uh, he claimed him that night. Which, apparently, he's a lot easier to get than, like, I guess uh, Sakura was putting on. Because some people unlocked him within seconds. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really not hard, right? Because no. they give you three difficulties, and they mention in the direct, in the, the direct, uh, in the presentation that they thought about like uh, keeping that to like if you beat him on very hard. Um, but I literally fought him once. I set it on easy. I beat That's him, and then I I played a Sephiroth, a Sephiroth in like all the other stuff I was doing. Mm-hmm. Just went to like the spirit board and just started playing as Sephiroth and whatnot. So, I'm really glad they put that easy difficulty in it because I'm trash at Smash. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie about that, but they actually made it accessible enough for someone as trash as me to unlock him, and yeah, that's love. So, uh, a small correction: it wasn't that they were going to force you to do it on very hard. Uh, they were going to lock you into your difficulty selection until you beat it. So, like, oh. if you selected very hard, you would Ooh. have to only play very hard oh. until you won. Oh. Um, and they they backed out on that because they're like, hmm, maybe accessibility is a thing we should pay attention to. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's mean, and we shouldn't be mean. Um, I would have chose easy anyway. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> I played it on normal. Uh, normal's not too bad. Very hard. They aren't lying. It's very hard. It It's super hard. Um but you can cheese it, and a lot of people have. Uh, for a short time, Hungry Box had the world record of very hard. I think it was 2.65 seconds, and he got it by getting a 9 with Game & Watch immediately. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he was very shortly beaten by uh, someone in the comments who did the same thing at two, 2.55, I think it was. Oh, my God. So I don't know if that's been beaten yet, but, it, yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is quite possibly the coolest way they've ever introduced a dlc fighter in my opinion uh because like they recognize that sephiroth is a big deal specifically if you're like an rpg fan he's a he's an earth-shattering boss uh so they introduced him as a boss and i think that's super cool uh but for those who have played as sephiroth i want to actually get your opinions on the character And I will throw that to anybody. Someone pick it up. I'll start. Uh, so I've actually been playing a lot more Smash, uh, even before Sephiroth dropped, as of late than usual. Um, so when Sephiroth dropped, I was right there to to download the update, uh, unlock him, uh, and then just started playing, just started going through all these different things. Um at first it felt weird because he does he feels so different than like any other like sword character right any other sword wielding character in the game um the range of his sword uh just like the variability 
Um, the fact that his like recovery is up B move has like two different uh, like instances. Um, All of his specials each, are chargeable. <laughs> yeah, except yeah. down B. It just it feels it feels really good. He feels like a really fun character. Honestly, I forget that the counter exists half the time. Uh, I was playing earlier and I was like, oh, I forget about down B. I always forget about like a, a move or two. Like I just like go heavy on one type of move and then forget like other inputs exist. Down B um, specifically is pretty interesting because it's the only counter in the game that will activate whether or not you actually countered an attack. So it's a nice I, touch. Yeah. I've had it work where like opponents just start like, dash at me as I'm doing it. They don't actually attack, but then just. Hit them anyway, because they're nice enough to just run into it. Yeah, there's a lot to lot to love about this character. Um, even like you know the uh, the effectiveness of his sword from different distances, and how that's not like you know for somebody like Marth, it's always the tip, right? That's the strongest part. Um, where that changes depending on the move uh, that you do for Sephiroth. Uh, so that's always like a question of, uh, when you're uh, a approaching a situation, you know, and trying to figure out what to do. Uh, I I think this is one of the best characters, honestly. Um, it just it doesn't it doesn't feel like too like zany, uh, but it also feels like really fresh, you know, comparatively uh, to a lot of the other like more. Uh, you might call them like vanilla characters, right? The characters that don't have too much else going on. Um, there's also his his uh, the the wing mechanic, right? Which I think is really have a cool. comeback mechanic, right? Uh, yeah, it's really well designed. So like, you get your wing after a certain amount of percent damage is dealt to you, but that percentage changes based on how many stocks you have versus your opponent. So, like, if you have one stock and your opponent has three, you're going to get the wing super early. Um, but if they have uh, less stocks than you, then it's going to take you a long time. And additionally, if you die, you lose it. But also, if you kill your opponent, you lose it. So, like, it's very well thought out and super well implemented. Um and <laughs> you feel like you hit like a truck when you get the wing. It's like, oh, I guess I'm a Super Saiyan now. <laughs> uh, Santi says, due to Smash's design, this is the slowest Sephiroth has ever been in a fighting game, but he's still insanely fun. Uh, Steve Bowling over at Good Vibes Gaming, uh, they were recording their show right before we started, and that was one of the things that he complained about specifically uh, because he loves Sephiroth, and I mean loves Sephiroth as a character. Uh, so for him, his identity, the character of uh, Sephiroth's, like, his identity is tied to his power and just, like, how fast he is. And the fast part isn't really reflected in the way his character is designed in Smash Brothers. But I, I feel like with the direction they took the character, I don't think you could have done fast without just making him completely broken. Yeah. There are there are aspects though that kind of like lean into that. For example, uh, his his up B attack, uh, specifically when you hold up B, uh, and he does like the flurry of of uh, slashes. Yeah, you know, like that's like his fastest uh, move. You know, with successive hits and whatnot. Um, yeah, and like in terms of his power, like one hit, baby, right? It's all you need. <laughs> you can use Giga Flare and then forward smash if you land the attack, and they just die. They just die. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this character has a lot of potential. Um, I am excited to see how he performs in tournaments. That said, you know, we're still, you know, in a pandemic, so we're not going to be seeing a lot of those for a while. Uh, we still don't know how Min Min fares like in the tournament scene, so it's just like eh, mm. I don't know. Uh, how does Steve fare? How does Steve fare? Steve, That's I think, has I been relegated to bottom tier as most most <laughs> right, places. Gag. I've seen. He's gag as hell. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
yeah so like i think sephiroth is pretty great i love the stage uh i think i'm the only person here who's beaten final fantasy 7 the original one my roommate talked to me um, about the whole background of the uh stage and how it's literally just the ending of the game or whatever it is literally the ending of the game yeah. so don't look at it too closely if you don't want to spoil <laughs> yourself yeah he was he's, I, I yeah, he's just spelled it out for me and i was like oh, that, it's like really like the, de- the level of detail on it is very well done I was like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's an exciting stage to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sakurai also, in the presentation, literally details the end of the game. So, like, I hope I you didn't look forwarded. at that too close. Good. <laughs> uh, what I, one of the other things that I love about, uh, you know, Sephiroth, Sap- but then a lot of these other characters that have made their way into the game as well, um, is that, like... It's great for people who are fans of these games who are really into this, right? So, yeah. Brandon, you've played, uh, you know, Final Fantasy VII at this point. Uh, and then, I mean, have you played any of the other Final Fantasies or is this the really the one that you've gotten into? I've played every iteration of Final Fantasy VII except for Dirge of Cerberus. But as far as other Final Fantasy games, I've played Crystal Chronicles, Crystal Bearers, and... Um, a fair amount of Final Fantasy fourteen, but nothing mm-hmm. else. Okay. So I mean one of the things that hit me was I you know, I started playing the remake and I, I hit a point in the game where I got frustrated, couldn't beat a boss. It didn't even consider to lower the difficulty or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but then just, you know, sometimes like you stop playing a game for whatever reason, then you kinda lose momentum and you forget about it. Um one of the things that this did for me was really motivated me to jump back into it, right? Uh, so even, like, right before we started the show, uh, I was probably um, maybe an hour or two into a play session into the remake, right? Me too. Um, <laughs> really, really, I did lower the difficulty. I was like, I'm not struggling anymore. I just want to finish the game. I want to experience it. I want to see more of Aerith, uh, because she is again, best girl, baby um, girl. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And I'm enjoying myself. The game just feels great. And then, so my intention after this is to go, uh, to finish the remake, which only covers like a, a portion of the original game. Not even uh, like the first four hours of Final Fantasy VII. Jesus yeah. Christ. So I I plan on on uh, I have Final Fantasy VII on my Switch. Uh, so once I finish the remake, I'm gonna go and play through all that, and then eagerly await uh, the next part of the remake. Um, but yeah, now I'm just like that's again that's one of the things that I love about these is like okay this this character is in a game that I'm not too terribly familiar with. I've always known who Sephiroth was, right? Because like you can't be a gamer and not hear about Sephiroth, right? Or his um, theme song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's prolific. Um, so it's it's super exciting for for all the Final Fantasy Seven uh fans to get this but then like for me as well to really push me uh to really immerse myself in in such a classic title i felt pretty blessed this time around with the character reveal because like typically what happens is a character gets revealed and if it's not something i'm familiar with i end up then plunging into that franchise just to you know see what everything's about this time I had just finished doing all of that before the character reveal. So, I mean, you guys were with me when uh, when the music started. <laughs> it popped off pretty hard. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited for fans as well. And I'm especially excited for the two of you to finish Remake because I want to talk about it really bad. <laughs> it is just insane to it. me that we're only halfway through this pass and Sephiroth is already in the game. Like, where do yeah. we go? Where do we go? That's the thing, right? It's like the Christmas, like the, the wish lists are slowly dwindling down. Me fighters are deconfirming people. Like, we didn't who... even talk about Gino. I was about to bring that up, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, I guess go for it, Paul, because you were the first one who mentioned it to me after it happened. No Gino. <laughs> He's a me costume. I figured that was going to happen. It sucks, man. I, I can't s- believe we talked about Me Fire costumes and we didn't bring that up then. Oh, that's true. Um, but, I mean, this deserves a conversation on its own. Just like 
Gino has been requested since Melee. Uh, and, you know, they were holding out, like, when we got through Fighter Pass 1 and Gino didn't show up, but also the Me Fighter costume didn't show up. And then Fighter Pass 2 got announced. Everyone was like, oh, my God, Gino's coming to Smash. Uh, no, they were just waiting to <laughs> reveal their second Square Enix rep to uh, to <laughs> to bite the bullet on that one. It only hurts a lot. I wouldn't be as upset as I am about this if it weren't for the fact that we're getting the exact same Mii Fighter outfit from Smash 4. <laughs> like, we've got all these cool crossover Mii Fighter outfits like Cuphead, Vault Boy. Um, they come with music, but they're full-body costumes, so they're basically just the character. Yeah. They didn't even go that far with Gino. We just got just the, the same... It's just the same one from smash four and we're not getting the song and the song was in the presentation <laughs> oh yeah it was that's just dirty it's so sad our poor friend joe has wanted uh gino so bad and when that happened i was thinking of joe i was uh i was streaming with good vibes gaming and i knew it was coming when we saw the chocobo hat i was like oh my god Gino's the next one in, in the line, <laughs> and there it was. And I felt so bad for you, Joe. I I wanted Gino too, but uh, I I know you're the super fan, so I'm sorry about that. I'm one of those uh, Nintendo fans in the camp of um, I haven't played uh, Legend of the Seven Stars. I'm surprised that Nintendo hasn't put it on the uh, Nintendo's Switch Online yet because we got all the Donkey Kong countries. So uh, we don't have um, Legend of the Seven Stars yet. We don't even yet. have Earthbound. Yeah. Like we don't I mean, even, I, imagine, I imagine it's coming, right? I feel I like so this, this yeah. NES selection is steadily growing. Uh, and, the, you know, every two, three months, we'll probably get another four or five games. Uh, and I think that will persist like that until we start getting like N64 games and then maybe it'll be a little less. But again, I feel like that and Earthbound is on its way. Uh, you know, I don't know. Are they producing SNES Classic Editions anymore? No, those are done pretty much, I think. I don't think so. Yeah. 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 So like I have a SNES Classic Edition. Um, yeah, that's like the only way you can and, play it right now in terms of a Switch Yeah, gen. so like Legend of the Seven Stars... Uh, is on there, uh, like, yeah, uh, Star Fox 2, yeah. you know, but there's just, like, yeah, ton, um, ton but it seems like Gino is one of those characters where it's like fan favorite, but Nintendo's like, yeah, that was a thing that happened. We're not going to do anything know about that it. Nintendo is, is the issue in this or, or square. Case. Cause he was a square character, I, right? I think he still is a square character. Yeah. The problem. So like, he's not a Nintendo property. Technically, case, yeah, yeah, uh, that didn't stop him from appearing in Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga as a cameo, uh, but then he got cut from the remake. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Cle <laughs> clearly, Ouch. clearly, there's some issues going on there. Mm -hmm. um, but briefly, I guess we should talk about who we think is going to be next. Uh, it's Monster Hunter, and you can't tell me otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, if we get a character <laughs> in March, isn't. Monster Hunter would be a really safe bet to be honest yeah this yeah is the i mean it lines up i mean that's i mean that's probably part of the reason um part of their like logic for like the order of these releases mm -hmm. uh even with um like how close to the release of dragon quest 11 s on the switch was to heroes it was release already out wasn't it in smash like the year before no, so uh, Hero came out. I think it was. Uh, let's see. So Banjo and Hero were both announced at E3. Banjo was pushed to fall. And I Hero think Hero like was June, later in July. June, wasn't it? Yeah. Or maybe it was July. And then and then uh, uh, Dragon Quest came out. I think in September or October. Oh, okay, gotcha, but, gotcha. But it was still relatively close. Yeah. Yeah. So like. You know, heading off some of these titles uh, that they're going to be releasing. So I feel like it's a good bet 
to say that like the next character if they're in the game would be monster hunter because of monster hunter rise launching on switch i mean it's just yeah it's such a win-win right so if monster hunter is is on its way you would want to release it shortly before rise to really really hype up that title Mm -hmm. you know and the the character will probably draw from Rise. We're probably going to have the wire bug in the move set, and that that's might explain. Grab. That's their grab and their yeah. Yep. <laughs> that might explain why we've waited so long for Monster Hunter to join the roster, uh, and it might also explain why there was Monster Hunter content in Smash Ultimate when it first came out. Yeah, Rathalos. Because this collaboration had already been set in stone, and we were just waiting for it. Yeah, that'd be um, that'd be a clean guess if I was to ever if I was to go with one for sure that's safe um i'm still riding on crash because crash is still a safe bet for me in in my eyes anyway he's been uh on the I up mean, and crash up lately. crash would be great too uh especially since like literally all of mario's man, rival characters are in that game already he has to come i can't i can't remember <laughs> like what the sales figures were for uh the insane trilogy but i'm pretty sure it was over 10 million uh, which is that like, is insane. Yeah. And <laughs> then obviously with the, the recent uh, critical commercial success that is uh, Crash Bandicoot 4, yeah. um, you know, I think I, I think it would also be a good inclusion, uh, though. I don't think that like I don't think it means that like we're getting we got to get the though, crash suit again. Classic, office. classic character who's you know got a long pedigree at this point. Recent game, yeah, yeah. But ultimately, uh, no pun intended. It's going to come down to Nintendo and what they what they decided on. Yeah. Fire uh, Emblem. So like, <laughs> clearly, Sakurai is a fan of Final Fantasy VII, given. Just the absolute giddy he seemed to show during that whole presentation, but Nintendo is the one who had to pitch the character to him. Yeah, at the end of the so, day. So like, we, I'm guessing that the sky's there's the like limit, this bucket. There's this bucket of characters that Nintendo gave to Sakurai, and he's like, "I like Sephiroth," and he just picked that one. <laughs> um, I mean, that's how they gave him like a list, right? And they said like, "Okay, of all these yeah. characters, you know," and they mm-hmm. probably pushed him on a few of them, was saying Mind like, crap. "Hey, Steve, yeah, for sure. like, Terry, yeah, we please, need Steve, please, Terry." Um, <laughs> but then there was probably some like, "Okay, of the rest of them." <laughs> it, I love that moment in the Minecraft presentation where Sakurai is talking about how, "Oh, well, this character is impossible to make." Of course I can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but moving on, um, th- I mostly threw this story in for myself because it's also kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> Super but baby. Super Baby 2 is coming to Dragon Ball Fighter. What the heck of is a Super Baby 2? Characters... I'm going to look up a picture. A, a GT character. <laughs> of, have they had any like anyone else from GT show up? Goku. Okay, so did they get a Mega Shinron? No! Why did... What? That's not a what? baby. They put baby over Omega Shenron. <laughs> what is wrong with this? That's not a baby at all. <laughs> I've seen Boss Baby three times. That's not a baby at all. <laughs> That's a man. So, I, so I'm all for GT representation in Dragon Ball Fighters. That's fine. Um, but to put in Super Baby 2 over Omega Shenron... Just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> that is like the weirdest possible choice they could have made for that. And it's not even like Super Baby Vegeta. It's just Super Baby 2. And I don't know what form that is. <laughs> Let's consult Google real quick. I mean, it makes more sense because he's more recognizable as Baby before he's Vegeta Baby. But Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Baby's a weird choice. First major villain of Dragon Ball GT. Um, I would have rather had someone from Super, honestly. Super but 17. I would have taken Super 17 over Super Baby 2. <laughs> David, who is this man? Whose man is this? <laughs> um, yeah, so. Okay, now I know which one it is. Is it Baby Vegeta or is it? Just like, like a power- 
Let me let me send you the picture. Okay, I need How to are you going to put this in here and not do your research? Well, I've I mean, watched we Dragon Ball who, GT. We know like <laughs> that is Super Baby, Baby Vegeta. Is. We just don't remember the uh which form that is exactly. I mean, you know how many transformations <laughs> there are in that franchise? Like I'm sorry if I don't remember which exact one is which. His level 3 ultimate is going to be him turning into the Golden Ozaru. That's my bet. Uh, so that's enough about Super Baby 2. Um, <laughs> Fun game. Uh, one thing that uh, that has been discussed in our Discord server is that Hades cross saves are now available. So if you bought Hades on PC or on Switch, you can now transfer your saves from one to the other. That's so, pretty dope. Uh, that's cool. Flexibility yeah. I mean, with gaming we... is always great. Yeah, yeah we talked we talked about this when the game launched, and I was considering whether I should get it on Switch uh, or on PC. Um, and I ultimately decided on Switch, knowing that these cross saves would be here down the line, uh, which might mean I might pick it up on PC at some point. Uh, it just also depends on how much more I play on on Switch, right? Uh, but like I, I love a good roguelike, right? Uh, and it kind of, this honestly is is so great. It kind of makes me upset that Binding of Isaac Rebirth doesn't have cross saves, right? Uh, considering considering I have four hundred sixty plus hours on my PC, and then like an extra three hundred on my Switch. You need to send a letter. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, people get by. People be like, oh, look, I 100%ed the game on, on PC, and then I got it for Switch, and I did it again. And here I am, like, I have never 100%ed any save file. It's just not something that I've done. Much less doing it three times over on the same game. You know, three different save files, 100%ing to get, like, the ultimate, like, 3 million percent. Uh, achievement, absolutely ridiculous. But I'm glad to see Hades There's has cross saves. There's an achievement for that. There is an achievement for that. Yeah, I uh, see. The great thing about these games is like uh, most roguelikes is that it's not really about like winning. It's just enjoying yourself and then you know unlocking new things to have different runs and more fun down the line. Um, I think one of the of the really appealing things about Hades is the narrative, right? Uh, the yeah, fact yeah, that sure. it's just this unfolding narrative, which is not something <laughs> that roguelikes are known for, uh, which is also a reason I need to go back and play more. So to the bane of our friend John Cartwright, uh, Donkey Kong Country 3 Dixie Kong's Trouble is now available on Nintendo Switch Online. Yes. <laughs> Alongside the Ignition Factor, Super Valus 4, Tough Enough, and Nightshade. Uh, the only game on this list I've ever heard of is DK Country 3, so, yeah. I know Ignition it's not... Factor looked cool, though, like a firefighting game on the on the SNES. Like, that sounds dope. Oh, I'm I'm probably going to try all of these, but uh, Dixie Kong is probably the most notable. Um, mm -hmm. This game often gets overlooked just because of the time period it came out. I think it came out during the transition to Nintendo 64. And also, There's a the 64 the in the Kong? game. Say again? And I was like, and also, what the heck is a Kitty Kong? There's that too, but yeah. <laughs> Don't ask John. <laughs> he might bite your head off. <laughs> There's actually, like, I, I, I can't remember the Twitter user who posted it, but posted a, uh, a short video of one of, like, Granny Kong or whatever. I don't know her name. Um, actually, like, playing an N64, like, in the game. Hmm. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So there's references because it was like right on that cutoff when the you know N64 started uh, its life cycle. Um, this I mean, this game in particular is exciting to me because now I have access to like most of the Donkey Kong Country games. Yeah, that's really right. Um, so I went back a while, not too long ago and beat the very first one because I'd never beaten How it. How bad was that? Um like how how, bad how, was, how well, difficult was it? Well, okay, I will admit, uh, 
I used save states. I abused save states to finish <laughs> that game. Didn't you uh, also fall for the uh, the credits gag at the end of the I game? I did. I did the first That's time. I was so like, yeah, I finished. funny yeah. to me. <laughs> So, um, but I eventually beat it, you know, and I think that's one of the things I love about like, uh, the service is those save states, uh, can really, really serve as, um, like a handicap for those who wouldn't be able to beat them normally. Cause those games are a little bit more, um, uh, rigid about like, you know, there's their checkpoints and, and save points yeah, and whatnot. I probably use save yeah. states too, for sure. Uh, so, yeah. Because I just wanted to, I just wanted to be, because eventually, you know, you beat every level. It's not like you cheat through those levels. You have to beat the levels. Um, it's just a matter of like, okay, I don't want to have to go back three or four levels when I die here, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um so, and in addition to this, like I just bought Tropical Freeze, and I've been playing through that. Uh, I'm currently on the second boss ever made. 2D platformer. So, uh, so my goal right now is to beat that game, go back and beat you know DKC two, and then DKC three as well, and then eventually beat Returns. Uh, I've never actually beaten Returns. I've played a good chunk a good of it, too. but. Man, those games get hard. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then basically the last thing uh, I want to bring up uh, before we close the show is uh, the Indie World Showcase that we had earlier this week. Um, I didn't see that in the morning, didn't have time to watch it, then wait until the day, watch it at double speed to get through it. What? It's kind of mid to me. I'm going to go ahead and say that, yeah, this Indie Showcase wasn't that great. Um, and I'm usually like really in, I've especially been really into the last few indie worlds that we've had. Uh, but there was just, there wasn't a lot here that specifically appealed to me. Yeah. Um, and I guess that seems to be the consensus among the group here. I yeah, mean, I think most of this was like, well, it was kind of like whatever. There was a few things here and there that I was like, oh, I'm glad that's coming out. Or like even like Super Meat Boy Forever. I was like, well, I'm glad that's coming out, but I'm probably not going to buy it because good God, I'm not I'm not about to get into like a super hard looking platform. Looking forward to right that now. one. It's going to be fun. Let's not discount Fist of Fluffs. That game looks incredible. <clears throat> Oh uh, yeah, say, that was that, that was, was one of the standouts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, happy game stood out to me. Yeah, that seems interesting. Oh yes, yes. From Amanita like Design. Yeah, I see. I love I love the point and click games, right? And specifically Amanita Design. I have played at least one of their games. Did they make uh, Bulb before Boy? And does it look like kind of Bulb Boyish to me? Um, I'll look shoot. it up real quick. Animated uh, design. I'm trying to think of the one game that I played. Botanicula uh, is the game you played. Yeah, Botanicula is oh, okay. really great. I've also played some of Samorost 3, uh, but I haven't played the other ones. Uh, it looks like a browser. The first one was a browser game. But um, oh God, Can I play this? Yeah, the, the Yacht Club Games published game looks really interesting. Uh, it doesn't look like something i would personally play but it does look really clean it's good to see that they're also working on more stuff kind of the gaiden ninja gaiden yeah, yeah, style yeah, yeah. cyber shadow yeah um, that looks dope. i think the game that is the most interesting to me is ganasia which as i understand is already out on pc but like it's a um it's a deception game but it's a visual novel and rather than like playing a d- the deception against human players, like you're doing it with the CPUs. Oh and yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The story yeah. plays out. The game that looked like Danganronpa, but it turns out it's like Among Us, but anime or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. basically. Uh, I uh, I'm really excited for that because uh, the story looks really interesting. Um, Is that the runs are like 15 to 30 minutes, and like the computer, the AI characters like shuffle who the killer is or whatever every time or something yeah and then like as you play each and every round like you eventually arrive at some kind of 
plot conclusion yeah. as I understand it. So, like, I'm excited to try that out because I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, uh, Joe says it's a procedurally generated deception game. Yeah, that it's seems so dope. cool. Uh, Toon yeah. J looks really cool, too. Um, I heard about Kind of Funny Games playing that on PC um, about a week or so before they put it in the Indie World Showcase. That's the game where it's like a, a Amazon Forest side-scroll beat-em-up. With Hat Kid tossed oh, in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah. pleasant visually. Looks really has Hat clean. Kid in it, too. Uh-huh. So that game is on my radar. Uh, I want to see more of it, but very, very valet. Oh, yeah, that I, game uh, seems I'm silly. a little interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love quirky multiplayer mayhem, and that seems right up my alley. Uh, I think the big thing for this presentation for me is that, like, I'm usually expecting a lot of shadow drops in Indie Worlds, and especially... And that didn't really happen this time. I mean, we had Among Us and Grindstone. And Calico, too. But a lot of these games are, like, mid-next year. Yeah. So, like, there's going to be a lot of waiting. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I know people were looking forward to Hollow Knight Silk Song. One that ended day. up not happening. Uh, I was specifically looking for Sports Story. Oh, yeah. And that didn't show up. At this but, point, those uh, games are still. just Nintendo Direct. Those those games are Nintendo Direct level at this point, I feel. <laughs> I would watch a 20-minute sports story presentation. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, overall, like, Indie Worlds are always solid. I, I'm glad that these developers are getting a very sizable platform, and I think more and more people are watching Indie Worlds than uh, were, like, when these first started, mm-hmm. especially after Cadence of Hyrule. Um because there's a lot of good stuff, and, you know, people need to open their minds to, you know, some of the smaller developers and what they're capable of. Yeah. So. Shout out to the Among yeah. Us team for uh, not only winning two game awards, but also coming to Switch. And I was surprised at how many people on my Twitter timeline said they'd never played before, and it coming to Switch was the trigger for them. I, ne- I didn't expect that. A game that's hmm. free on mobile and also on PC. See, I that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Like, again, like I I think I mentioned this to Brandon earlier that like the the indie um, the indie scene on Switch is just so it's just that it's good, strong, yeah. right? People want to play games on their Switch, right? Uh, whether it just be like, oh, you know, that's my Nintendo console. That's where all my like uh, my smaller experiences, the things I want to, you know, eventually play on the go. Uh, so to think that Among Us, you know, would be uh, uh, something that would get on there and everybody be like, well, you know, actually, that's that's the reason I'm going to play it isn't surprising to me at all. Uh, and I think it's I think it's cool. Uh, yeah, and I think subsequently they also announced it for um, for PS4 and, and Xbox, for yeah. Xbox yeah. as well down the line. So, uh, well, maybe not PS4. Definitely for Xbox. They've definitely. I don't know if it's still possible, but you can play the new map in Among Us on Switch via a glitch. Huh. Oh. Even though it's not out yet, so. <laughs> If you want to spend $5 to play Among Us and play content that isn't out yet, there, there's an option for you. And buy the Jeff Keighley mask. The the literal JPEG of his head on your face. Can you still get that? Or is it just purchasable now? I assumed it was purchasable. Because I know you could get it. I know you could get it as a, like a drop. It was a Twitch drop know, the when game they revealed it. Yeah. Maybe you can't buy it then. Um, oh, well. I... That was going to be my number one reason for getting Among Us on my <laughs> Switch was to have the Jeff Keighley face. Um, but yeah, that basically brings us to the end of the news for today. Uh, before we wrap it up, David, tell people where they can find you. Oh, boy. Uh, so my name is oh David. Boy. I'm the head of content over at Common RDW. Uh, we make geeky nerdy content for geeky nerdy people. I do live streams, podcasts. Uh, vlogs. I do interviews with people and pop culture and stuff. I recently uh, interviewed the lead dev for Clive and Wrench, which is a uh, 3D buddy platformer that is coming out on Switch next year. Uh, so that's awesome. Nice. You can go and check my count, uh, my channel for that. And also, if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can look me up at David RDW. That's D A V E E D R D W. And uh, yeah, I like being on a awesome podcast like this and talking Nintendo stuff. 
Heck yeah, man. No, it's, it's always great to have you on. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Merrileaf underscore. You can find Paul at Gunnysaurus and Logan at Loggy Doves. You can follow us as a collective at Breakroom Arcade as well as join our Discord server if you want to keep the conversation going. There's a link to that in the description below. Uh, like this video if you liked it. Listen to this on any podcast source you want to because we're literally everywhere. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't, and we will see you guys next week. But until then, don't break your backs. Whoop, I ended it early. Don't break your backs. Break in the games, but for now, break time's over. <laughs>